on the move. Little dance step was good. Couple of bounces. Can take it himself and launch long. Inspirational. Time ticking away. Stop it. Silvani! What about that? Mackay, Mackay! Two in a minute. And they are dancing now, the Blues. Almost Mackay. Walsh, here he is. Straightens up and has delivered. Is there nothing this young man can't do? Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian. I'm joined as always by my good mate, Lockie. And the Blues have bounced back from a poor showing last week to defeat North Melbourne by 50 points in the end, which was honestly a pretty easy win, I suppose. And look, Lockie, I just got to ask you straight away, how nice was it to watch a game of football that was pretty much put to bed before three-quarter time for once? That's the first thing I was going to comment on. It's still very late in the game before I, you know, have any ounce of relaxation. But yeah, you're right. It's the first time in a while that it's felt like that, so it's good. Yeah, uh, it definitely was. And I think it was honestly the perfect kind of test for us. I was very nervous. I don't know how you felt going into oh, the game because so we've just, we, we always seem to struggle against North Melbourne. <sighs> and it felt like a game that we really needed to win. Not only are they in opposition that we should be beating, which is, again, another one of those ones, recent history, we always tend to lose that game and we've done that quite often. Mm. And so to finally come in, lose last week, Bounce back, get the win, get it done easy. It was just so beautiful to watch. And again, talking about, I guess, that perfect test, what's been the big Achilles heel that everyone sort of talks about? It's that third quarter. And you go in at halftime, North have come back into it into that second quarter, made a game of it. And, you know, you're thinking, Jesus, if we collapse, have another one of those third quarters, we're gone. Whereas we actually got to test that out and see if we could get over the line and really perform for once. And that third quarter, we absolutely blew them away. And for me, I was at three-quarter time, I was putting my feet up going, I can't see us losing this one now, <laughs> which I'm not normally that confident, but just seeing the way the boys did it and the way we were playing out there, I just did not see North having any chance. How did you see, I guess, that mm. second half once we started to get a bit of dominance? I completely agree. And I think I felt that, you know, we're not going to lose this one from here vibe at a similar time to you. But then it's the next thing. It's like, well, we're going to let them at least, you know, make this a respectable scoreline and we're not going to get that percentage boost that this is the perfect opportunity to do because there's just so much precedent for that in previous seasons. Mm. Even in the rare times where we do have a game sewn up, it's like, oh, well, now now it's a 15-point win and, you know, it's, it's not as good. So it was good to win the last quarter as well. Um, helps answer a few of our questions I think that we have around us, you know, yeah, letting teams back in at the end or getting tired. So, Mm. yeah, so proud of that second half. And, yeah, so many positives in this game. It's so pleasing. And and I just want to say as well, kind of leading up to the game, you know, the the, the outs that we had during the week, obviously Williams being a laid out, it's all those things that we managed to push through as well because it was a bit concerning, you know, with with a fair bit of change compared to last week's team. And, yeah, the boys did it. Mm. Yeah, look, not having that Ruckman, not having Hewitt, one of the best midfielders oh. we've had all season, and then Williams goes out. It's like all the warning signs before the bounce. It's just like, well, we are nervous before, and it's, got, it's all going to happen again. So, yeah, a bit of adversity, and yeah. the boys really stood up. You touched on a really good point that I wanted to bring up about us maybe not going on with things and letting a team back in. We didn't necessarily let them back in. We, we still won that last quarter. 
But I guess that the one thing that some fans are disappointed with is this wasn't a foot on the throat. We yeah. bury them by 100 points. We don't completely finish off the game. Are you annoyed by that at all? Or where do you sit with that last quarter? I wouldn't say I'm annoyed. Um, it definitely felt like as good as we were in that second half, what we put on 61 points in the second half, it felt like we missed some opportunities. Um, yes. Which, ha- which hasn't really been a theme that I've felt a lot this season. In previous years, you and I, we sit here after a loss and we go, all those waste opportunities. And it hasn't felt mm. like that's happened a lot this year. But in this game, it was like, okay. You know, there was just a few shots on goal where, I don't know, G- gimme territory, I think. Yeah, look, I-, I tend to agree with you, which I, I hate doing. Uh, but I know it you was do. as soon as we started that last quarter, Kerno gets a chance, misses. Two seconds later, gets another chance, misses again. We kick those two, game is completely yeah. buried, and I think we do go on with it. And then we ended up, like you mentioned, there was definitely a fair few other points later in that that last term where they weren't bad opportunities. They were all there to be taken. And, exactly. you know, you get your chance again, it ends up being a, a 70 and 80 point win. So I'm not unhappy with that because it wasn't as if all of a sudden North Melbourne are back into it like that second quarter and we're not even creating the chances. I thought they were there. We just didn't happen to take them this week. But to finally come back when a team sort of went at us and then just coast out mm. the game, that's a big, I guess, kind of learning for us. We haven't seemed to do that in ages. We don't seem to. We always seem to struggle against this kind of North team, the one yeah. that bottom of the ladder. I think we had that stat. I think last year when we were talking about it, we always lose to the team who finishes on the bottom. We always seem to <laughs> yeah. do it over the last like five years. We had which. It looks like this is finally changing and there is a progression. And as much as we're up, upset about maybe last week and a few other games where we have these lapses and we're not the finished article, this mm. was the week that showed me again, yes, okay, bit of an overreaction at times. We're definitely still on the right path and there's still so much yeah. that we're doing right. Still a bit we're doing wrong. I thought at times North moved through us a little too easy, which is clearly just that biggest growth area for us, trying to really stop teams carving through the corridor, which I think, again, could just be down to some personnel issues. But yeah. to, again, take these learnings from a win and sit here at five at two is not something I thought we'd be able to say at the start of the season. I have the opportunity next week against Adelaide, make it six and two. We're flying. Yeah. I'm absolutely loving what I'm seeing from these baggers. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more, mate. And I, I do agree regarding the corridor um, suggesting you put out there. The other thing that I don't have any stats ready to back this up or whether you felt this, it felt like we, uh, I don't know whether you would call it like Hollywood or what, but there were some times in the fourth quarter where I thought we mucked around with the handball a bit or try yeah. and maybe bit off. It's funny because we sat here and we go, when we're doing poorly, we don't try and do the risky things that set up great offensive play and then now I'm here saying that sometimes it felt like we'll be a bit too risky at the end but I don't know it just felt like sometimes our decision making in that last quarter would have led to more than just the two goals Mm. but yeah I'm really nitpicking here because as as I've reflected on this game there's just the positives just so heavily outweigh the negative yeah oh I do get what you're sort of saying though it has been a bit of a trend if you want to look at the kind of negative from the game to start is yeah I feel Mm. like when we get the ball past halfway we do tend to do too many handballs in close space and it, it maybe ties back to some themes of the last previous years of trying to get the perfect look at goal and yeah. instead of just, okay, I've got that clear option to, to, to pass it or just you know go for goal, we're still just mm. trying to 
work something where you just don't need to. So I do kind of get what you're saying with that. But positives, there are so oh. many with this performance. What were the key things that you take away from that game going? I guess maybe the difference from the Frio game that definitely oh. worked against North that got us the win. I think one of the things that made me most happy, like, Jay, again, you, you look at our top five or six, they're the guys that are going to get the, the bulk of the disposals every week and we, we can lock them all in now for that. But it was kind of an, some of the other guys that have been question marks over the past few weeks. I hope you're smiling because this is the, the thing for you as well. Um, guys like Fish, um, I was just so pleased with how – it just looked completely different the way that he was playing. He got a bit more midfield mm. time. He was – being that guy running past a guy that takes a mark for the handball, yep. I thought he used the ball really well, using that speed. Guys like him and Lob, um, guys like that, it just felt like we were, you know, obviously North are a weaker team than some of the other opposition we've played, mm. but I just felt like we opened them up so much across the ground and then we were making these great options when we were kicking the ball forward. Um, you could put Carroll in that category too. It's guys like that, the lower, lower disposal guys that I thought were making really clever decisions and getting to really good spots, which is what I've been dying for all season. You, you've, you've honestly nailed it and you don't have my run sheet here, but my <laughs> literal next point that I wasn't even trying to tee you up for that one for a segue is literally... We learned last week that we're only as good as our bottom six or so, mm. and this week they all stepped up. That was the line yeah. I had to go into the next part, and thank God you, you went there without me even having to hint <laughs> at it. So thank you for that That's one, why we Bobby. work, mate. That's why we're here. But, I mean, we, we mentioned last week, and you can go and look at the stats. If you look at, like, just the disposals, which isn't always the, the best stat to look at, but I guess for some of those bottom six, the, the guys that – aren't yeah they're not the 30 plus every single week they're not the match winners they're the role players last week they were all at the bottom and Frio had no players down there it was a bulk of us and then this week it was almost the opposite and it feels like another trend that when we're playing our best and it seems so dumb to say it's awful analysis but it's it's the whole team every single player is putting in their shift and that Mm. is why a team like Melbourne has become so good a couple of years ago it was a couple of individuals and then a couple of B-grade, C-grade players. Now all those C-grade players are part of a system, part of a cohesive unit, and they're playing some amazing football. And when we do that, we're electric. We're unstoppable. And, and you mentioned those guys. Yeah, your Carol, your Fishers, O'Brien. I thought the, the, the forwards were a lot better. Like you got Martin who's playing some really good footy at the oh, moment. You're Durden and always stood up. Plowman, I thought, had his best game he's ever had for Carlton, and yep. look, we Agreed. are known as the Pro Plowman podcast here, but I think we finally have some reason to be. Uh, you got Lewis Young stepping up, playing some better footy, and I honestly, for as much shit as we gave him last week, which I think was completely just, I got to hand it to Jack Nunes. I thought he really put yeah. in a great shift this week. A lot were questioning his selection to stay in the team. I was myself, but if you put in that kind of shift when called upon, that is that's absolutely fine, and it goes back to last year. We were fine with a new 6 out of 10 performance. And yep. then I thought we'd move past him. I wanted to see some more people people get an opportunity. I am still kind of in that camp. But that's what you have to do Me when too. you come in. Play that role and that's perfect. And I kind of want to go through some of these players' stats to kind of deep dive on it a little bit more because yeah. Plowman's stats, they don't really show his game, which I want to touch on firstly. He had the 13 disposals, four tackles. But I loved his second, third, fourth efforts. I thought his endeavor... Yeah. And everything he did, when the ball was near him with an opponent, 
I reckon nine times out of ten, he won it. What, what impressed you with Plowman? I mean, for, for me, it was every time it seemed like he went to the ball, it was like the the start effect. Like he just wasn't mm. losing these one-on-ones. At the mm. very worst, he was um, killing the contest and getting it out or, you know, making it a draw. But other times he was winning it and we had the yeah. numbers there around him. Um it's all about, like you said, the role of these guys. We don't need him to be streaming off and using the ball immaculately. Yeah. Just beat your opponent and be be that lockdown guy that we need on the the smaller to medium guys. So uh, I, I'm with you. This is one of the best plowman things I can remember. Yeah, and look, I'll be going to get that every single week. I don't know. We haven't got that consistently for a while, and that's probably the biggest knock on him. But yeah, I know we seem to always talk about plowman and talk about the positives, but I just thought that when he has a performance like that, that's when the Carlton fans need to you, know, you sit there and applaud it because he cops so much from every single person out there, it seems. And I thought he was an absolute rock back there. And I hope that maybe yeah. that gives me a bit of confidence to go, yeah, I can win those one-on-ones and that's what I can do. And, and I guess we'll, we'll see next week against maybe a bit of a step up in opposition, whether he can do that. And then the other one down the back was Lewis Young, who I'd love to chat about. <sighs> 12 disposals, but seven intercept possessions. He and Weedering seem to be gelling so much better at the moment. Some of his intercepts with his marks, it felt like we had Liam Jones back down there at times. I said the exact same thing. (laughs) I love that. But he's just, he's starting to grow confidence. He's starting to learn and get that chemistry. I'm starting to think that we are still a bit of, like we're lacking a bit of defensive personnel down there. If we had a, a McDonald. I have full confidence after seeing a bit of Lewis Young now that he's that guy that can go back and float and be an intercept. Still think that mm. that's the reason teams are chopping through us a little bit at the moment. Uh-huh. But oh, I was so impressed with Lewis Young. And if you're going to take just one defender out, like if it's between him and McDonald or him and whoever, you're not taking Lewis Young out of that team at this moment. Great. Well, that, when you brought him up, the first thing I was going to say was I thought it was a Jones-like performance <laughs> because, yeah, Gosh, so reliable and and yeah, it kind of yeah. I don't know. I felt it felt like you know it frees up waiters mm. to do the to the more waiters things that we know and love. And yeah, I really really impressed with the whole backline to be honest. And I thought he was one of the mm. better ones. And and I did really like with Young. Maybe compared to a Jones, I feel like he knows he's not the best kick, and at times. He just won't take on the really risky kick where sometimes we really want players to do that because that opens up the play. But I don't seem to notice him turning the ball over because he just goes the smart, short option. He goes, look, yeah, I'm probably not the guy to take this on. I'll I'll pass it to one of our outside players, which then leads me on to this point, which Mm. was if you look at that next crop of players and they're the guys that we mentioned previously, they all seem to be our outside players, our flair mm-hmm. guys, the ones that seem to use the ball a bit better. And I just want to take you through some of these stats because it sums up what we need to be doing and right. I think what we did well. Fisher, 21 disposals, 16 kicks, 7 score involvements. Nunes, 22 disposals, kicks a goal, 13 kicks, 6 score involvements. O'Brien, 15 disposals, 9 kicks, Three score involvements, and then he, he was he was going at eighty seven percent disposal efficiency, and ended up having yeah. eleven pressure acts as well. What these guys are doing, and what we need to get out of them the most is I don't care how many disposals they get, that's not the issue. But most of those are kicks. They need to be kicks from those mm-hmm. guys. We need to be getting them out in space, running past for the handball, creating the play, getting the inside fifties, and it seemed like 
the perfect game plan was what we did and we executed it perfectly by getting it in Fisher's hands, O'Brien's hands, Nunes, yeah. and them delivering it inside 50 instead of it being, you know, a cripper having to run through and do it. It's the a better ball users. Is that what you were taking away from their roles in particular? <laughs> if anyone thought that we couldn't be any more aligned after a game, then <laughs> here we are. Because yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna say the exact same thing. Like with Hewitt out as well, it kind of I feel like it exposed that more because he's such a handball mm. first guy. We know that Cripper is never gonna have more than kicks, more kicks than handballs in the game now. He's a handball first kind of guy. Um even even Chera had more handballs than kicks in this one. Mm. So with these with the inside guys doing that, you and I we've been talking for years about like where are these great outside ball users? Who's going to step up and be that guy? We've thought it's going to be Lob at different times over mm. these years, and yeah, when, when he puts performances like this out here, it makes you think, yeah, he he can be our winger for the future. Because mm. and all these kicks were so damaging. I, I don't yeah. remember. I don't remember especially Fish and Noon, uh, Fish and Lob. I didn't feel like they were just, you know, the the chip kicks around the switch in order to get that percentage up. They were like breaking the lines, mm. damaging 45s, um, setting us up for our scores. And it's interesting when we touch on like a Fisher. I thought his game against Port was very similar to this. He, I don't know, I don't know what it was against Frio that he wasn't doing, or whether they changed up a role because he seems to play his best when he he ends up almost at half back. And then he just streams forward with the ball. Mm. And it, when he's out and around it, when he's been that wide option that they can then run Love by it. for the handball, we create so much more. And having these, you know, lovely left footers as well, it just changes oh, the yeah. angle that other teams almost aren't ready for, which seems like a weird thing just by having a different foot, not the most common side. But mm. as you say, it's those damaging kicks. They're not just chipping it around, yeah, yeah Samachewski, Seaton-esque kicks anymore. It's these long penetrating ones that either they change them out wide that changes our direction and we go from there, or it does that so we can then create the space to then cut back inside, which is exactly what we were talking about last week. And I was noticing there was so much more movement in the middle. There were these dummy leads, players trying to get short options, or even if they weren't getting used, they were creating space for the guy behind them. And I get it. It's North Melbourne. They're not the greatest structural side. They're not the best side mm. anyway, as uh, I reckon uh, Jack Silvani will have a word and maybe agree with us on that one, which we'll touch on later. But it was just so good to see us finally do everything that we were doing well in those first couple of rounds, taking the game on, and look what happens. We score and, and we win games of footy. Gee, I didn't expect the SPS drive-by coming into this podcast. <laughs> Shout out to SPS, a good game from the Eagles on the weekend. Um, yeah, the I completely agree. And, and one of the things that I felt was really clear to me was the way that we were – obviously, we were moving the ball up the field so well and quickly that it meant that those inside 50 entries were just so much better a mm, lot of the time yes. rather than – it still happened a couple of times doing the old let's just get it in long and hopefully someone takes a contested mark, mm. which they were able to do. And I don't – I especially don't mind that strategy when we're coming up against such a weak, short yeah. defense like we were. Um, but yeah, it just felt like lowering our eyes, hitting up guys mm. on the leads. Oh, it's just the way that we should be playing. Mix it up. Like, yeah, send it in long and see if Charlie can take a pack mark sometimes, mm. but every time it's not going to work. Mm. And I also noticed from, I think, our key forwards, particularly, I think Charlie, for most of the game, we seem to be staying a lot deeper and that our forwards weren't getting sucked into the contest, being drawn further up the ground. They were staying deep, so... 
that the high half forwards could go up, win the footy, influence the contest. And then there was space for him to then lead up at the ball. And instead of him already having been, you know, at the 50 in the center square and not being able to lead up at the ball, just staying deep, staying where you need to be, just creates such a better option. And then if we do have to bomb it in long, you are there and it's not going to an intercept because you're at the fall of the ball. I just thought structurally everything was so much better this weekend. Probably the other guy I wanted to touch on, but I wanted to almost just talk about him individually when talking about these outside players was a a little debutant by the name of Jack Carroll that had an absolute ripper game to like one thing I'd love to talk about is the nerves as well. Your first touch, the tackle over the line and you just go, it's, it's, you know, a little bit of Jack Watts about it, you know, bit nervous, gets tackled. How does he react? Amazing to see every single Carlton player within, I reckon a, 50-meter radius, sprint in, back our Mm. man up. That is what you need to do as a team. And that would have set the tone for pretty much how we played all day. And that's the the confidence for the young kid because you're going out there, you're nervous already, get tackled. You're probably thinking, oh, shit, like, gee, welcome to AFL footy. To then see all your teammates get around you and say, nah, mate, go again. We've got your back. You'd almost feel invincible like you could do anything. And he goes on to have 19 disposals which he has 15 kicks out of those. So another that good use of the football, another left footer going to create quite a lot, gets a goal, which was beautiful with your first ever kick. We, we love joining that club and ends up getting the eight score involvement. So another one of these outside guys just able to create and play some amazing footy. What'd you make of his debut? <laughs> debut, he looked like it was his 100th game. There wasn't any time where I thought he looked overwhelmed or, you know, nervous mm. really like if obviously that 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 first tackle over the line and all the boys got to him was good but yeah it just he, he was so calm and composed used the ball well um yeah gosh you love to see it you and i don't mm. normally get too up and about about selection changes and we try and be yeah. pretty pragmatic about it all but if that man is out <laughs> of the team for next week <laughs> i don't care who's coming in we're boycotting because that man yeah. he gets another game 100 percent. has to you cannot drop someone like if if you someone has to come in you find someone else because yeah. you have to reward that kind of effort and it probably goes to my next yeah. question what do you think it is about him that he brings that is maybe different to our midfield group that helped complement what we had going on i was thinking about that during the game i mean i, I get so much like zach fisher vibe about him and it's, I don't want people to think that's a lazy comparison because I was trying to think really hard about what it is that's different yeah. about those two. So I'm interested to hear what your take is. But mm. yeah, I don't know. It just felt like the willingness... It, it, what I was seeing from him was almost Fisher at his best, which is like mm. how he was in this game. Um, being composed and breaking the lines and having that bit of dash about him um, and some goal sense. Yeah. Um, Obviously, that's very different to the other guys that we have in our core midfield, the high possession winners. But yeah, at this stage, I kind of put him on that level of like, the, mm. what's the ceiling? I mean, yeah. you know, if, if he's only going to get better from here, it's going to be pretty special. Well, I think he is a special talent. I was pretty high on him um, from the limited stuff I had seen yeah. and heard about him in his draft. He seemed like one of those guys that for whatever reason, I think it was a bit of an injury as well that made him you know, float back and slide in that draft. No one really wants to touch him, falls to us, which is beautiful. And yeah, mm. I think like our midfield makeup at the moment, it's good. I, I really do like it, but it's a little one-dimensional at times. You've got a lot of guys that are your inside mids. No one really, I'd say, apart from 
Chera, maybe a Walsh, and even then, neither are like elite, the greatest kick you'll ever see. He is. Like, I think Jack Carroll yeah. is that amazing ball user by foot. And I, I love that that's what I think he can bring. Played a lot on the outside, but I think he can move in at times and be that guy that, whether he's that winger that we found from now on or whether he, he is, ends up being that next gun in there. Just his creativity by foot to open up the game is a weapon that I don't think we really have many other players that can do that. And to come in for a first game and keep taking on those kicks, a couple of times it doesn't pay off, you turn it over, you go for that 45, you go for that risky kick. I loved that the next time he got the ball, he didn't go into his shell. He didn't go, oh, shit, oh, it's my first game. I don't want to get dropped. I'll just do the safe option, which we've seen a couple of players do at times. He came in and went, no, 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 I, I back myself in. This is what the system is. This is what the coach told me to do. I'll take it on again. And I, if it doesn't work, I'll do it again because I know that I can do it and that that's the correct option. So I love that from a first gamer. Keep his confidence going because our big struggle has been when we don't take the game on, when teams are coming at us and we go into our shell. And if he's a, what, 18, 19-year-old doing this in his first game, then everyone else should mm. be doing it. And yeah, I guess knowing that, we don't have a lot of these players. We've got, you know, your fishers that can do it, your O'Briens, to just have another one in there. So good by foot. I think it's really going to open up another avenue of, of this game plan. It's going to create some selection headaches in the coming weeks. That's for damn sure. For sure. So is there any other players or any things that you really like from the game that you wanted to touch on? So many things. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna spoil my three votes. Because that's how we do things around here. We don't stick to the structure. Someone, we've got a tweet from a listener, um, Ash here. And uh, I agree that this debate still goes on because I don't like to engage too much in Twitter and, you know, doom scroll and see what the opposition and other fans are saying. Question from Ash. Can we end the Saad versus Hind debate? Hind playing reserves for a team that has won one game and sitting 16th. I don't know whether... Essendon fans are, were genuinely taking the piss with this or not. But Hind was the sub on Anzac Day, dropped fully this week, and Saad was, in my opinion, best on ground in a 50-point win. I, mm. I, don't, I don't care to like – we don't have to have this debate, but please stop saying that Hind is better and that we got the short end of this stick because it's just unbelievable and Saad is – how does he keep – he keeps getting better, keeps getting better. Can you have a debate if there's only one side that's trying to have it? <laughs> is that is that a debate? Like, you can go it's on as much debate. as you want, Essendon supporters, and be like, oh, look at this guy. He did. He kicked the ball. And none of our players can do that. Mate, have you seen? You've seen Saad. You've seen what oh he can God. do. It's just ridiculous. I, I don't know how it was ever a thing. Like, good on, you know, Essendon supporters getting a bit of a bargain sure. last season as a guy that was, you know, I don't want to talk too much about this football club because I hate him, but mm-hmm. he played fine and it was a good bargain mm. choice. Good on you. Sure. No Adam Saad, nowhere near what this man's been able to do. And yet again, Saad just, I feel like everything I say about him is what I say the week before and then it's what I said the week before. And I don't know yeah. how engaging and amazing it is to keep saying the exact same things, but my God. He doesn't lose a one-on-one every single Never. time. You're like, oh, he shouldn't get to this. Somehow, he's not only got to the contest, but he's won the ball from the guy. 
you're just like, oh, if he could just maybe just get the fist, all of a sudden he's marked. Yes. And he's, and he's already <laughs> run off. He's 50 metres past him. You're like, how the, how the fuck did you even get to the ball? You were nowhere near that contest. His closing speed is like I've never seen. He dominates whenever he gets it. He never turns the ball over. He always does the best thing by foot. He's almost a complete player. He, uh, there's no one in the AFL that does anything close to what he does, and I'm so no grateful. There was the debate at the time, I think, about how much we should be giving up for him, and I didn't love how much we were giving up. Oh, I don't care. Throw another bloody first rounder at him because he yeah. is amazing. I, I love Adam Saad. And maybe we'll talk about it when we talk about JSOS, but <clears throat> there's like so there's these like narratives about players that seem to stick around for years and people that yeah. obviously don't watch Carlton have these opinions of like sauce only gonna get a game because of Steve and all that shit. The idea people have this idea that Saad is only this offensive guy. Yeah. Have it's just ridiculous. He's such an important mm. defender for our team. And look, uh, yeah. We're we're speaking highly of Plowman's performance too, but we, mm. I, I think it's fair to say we still both don't necessarily see him as being a, a best twenty-two guy when we're going into the finals, Plowman. Mm. But Saad Saad is one of those really defensive-minded guys as well, and that narrative has yeah. to change around him because, yeah, it's it's great. He does both sides so incredibly well, and we're so lucky to have him. Yeah, oh, he's just tremendous, and I don't know if I'm correct on this, but I believe he is fasting as well throughout this period uh, with his religion and yep. everything goes on with that. So to be still to perform at this level that he is while doing that, I don't think I'd be able to do anything like my peak performance while I was doing that. So this guy just is not human. Um, someone else that we kind of touched on that I'd love to talk a bit about as well yeah. is Jack Martin because yep. the Carlton community, I think I did as well, went quite hard on him a few weeks back saying, like, what is this guy and is he still best 22 or what are we getting from him and does he deserve – should he go back into the twos to get some form? Mm. The club decides to stick with him. And I think that, you know, we owe him a bit of an apology because last three Agreed. weeks I think he's been great. And he's not he's not going to be this four-quarter player. He's just not. That's just not what he is. But his marking around the ground is amazing. He's creating those Excellent. contests. He's kicking goals now. And he kicks another two goals, 13 disposals, three tackles and eight score involvements. He's bringing that pressure again that we talked about Last year and his first season when he was getting in there and any time the ball was within 10 metres, he was winning it. It was his. Yeah, it looks like he's back to his best with that. And he, he, can, he can just keep doing this, hitting that scoreboard, creating that pressure. He's that perfect spark player that we are missing in that forward line. Yep. Yeah, I, I definitely owe him, owe him an apology for that because I, I did have him in the yeah. as one of the more droppable players. And yeah, he could have kicked four, to be honest. It yeah, wouldn't have surprised me if all those went through. Yeah. Yeah, again, I know, like you said, we're a broken record sometimes, but everybody just has their individual role they have to play. And, and what he did there is what we need from him. Mm. And touching on forward line goes to my next bit, which was, again, these kind of like, I hate to say bottom six, because I don't necessarily think they are, but it's these guys that didn't perform last week were in that kind of bottom six, bottom six for disposals anyway. Yeah. That I loved what we saw from the other small forwards, the, the Durden and Owies. They were back at their best. And it's it's clear that when we all play our best and these guys are involved, we're kicking goals because Durden, 11 disposals, four tackles, four score involvements, 20 pressure acts. Yeah. Doesn't get a goal, but I think he did a lot to win goals for everyone else. And then always kicks two, only at the five disposals, but then eight tackles, 17 pressure acts. Like these guys, 
they don't need to be winning much of the ball, which they're kicking goals. If they're getting involved in the scoring, if they're creating the pressure, hounding every single person, creating for everyone else, it's amazing. And we had 17 to 5 inside 50, basically team total tackles for the game. So we beat North, yeah, 17 to 5, which is, again, up on what we've seen the last few weeks. So it's just good to see these guys getting involved and playing their best. Two goals between them and a whole heap of tackles and pressure mm. is genuinely all we need from we them want. to win every single week. We got if Harry and Charlie kicking three every week and they're doing that, like that's mm. the formula. That's our formula for, for success. Do you do you think we can fit a motlop in with them, or do you think that that's too many of the of the small brigade? I don't think it's necessarily too many, but I just don't know where that room would be made yeah. in this team. Um, like, and I'll put my hand up and say that I haven't probably watched enough VFL this year as I should have to understand Motlop's game fully, apart from the mm. highlight goals when they happen. So, you know, I need to learn more about his game to make that choice. But yeah, we'll see. Because and still, always like always is still able mm. to and and dirds that they, they can be lead up players. They can they can yeah. take the ball up higher. They can do more than just the tackle pressure. So, yeah, I'm open to it. Like, we both thought we were going to see Motlop mm. pretty soon and, and maybe we still will, but yeah. Yeah, like, I don't know either. I just thought I'd ask you the question as I thought it's of it. It's a good question. I- I'd love to see it. Like, I'd love to see just so many of these pressure players playing together and seeing what they could do. Hearing from Lukey Powell that says, you know, Motlop can run too and maybe maybe he's someone else that can play that kind of high half forward role move into that those midfield roles at the stoppages and be that explosive player. I don't know if that's mm. maybe something you can do or not, but it's exciting. And, you know, I, I kind of want to go back to like my selections that I have in, I, I, you know, I've, t- I've spoken, I guess, negatively on a Matty Owies. I haven't necessarily loved what he's done the past few weeks, but anytime mm. I say, hey, I, I want this guy out for this person, I'm more than happy with them coming out the next week, making me look like an idiot, and then me saying, well, I can't drop them. That is perfect. And I love that from always. You know, give him a bit of a rocket, comes out, kicks two goals, the eight tackles is just insane. That's what we need from you. And I understand it, it might not yeah. happen every single week because that's just the hard role of a small forward. You're not always going to be at your best. But yeah, I think we're finally start. We were definitely playing a lot better system that got the best out of those. And it's clear that when yeah. we do that, we're going to be winning games of footy. And 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 saying that supply needs to be dropped based on a period of, of footy isn't hating on them either because, mm. like, we know he's a little bit older than than some of the other guys, but he's still very young in his career. It's yeah, it's not a, it's not a bad thing to go to the twos and get some confidence back, especially yeah. when there's guys that are that are knocking down the door to make it in. So, but it, it also works when you know maybe they're kind of on some of their last legs before getting dropped, and they put in performances like this that make mm. them undroppable, in my opinion. Yeah, 100%. Uh, what else did you want to touch on about this lovely 50-point win? God, we could do it for hours, couldn't we? <laughs> we could. And we will. I mean, no. <laughs> <and> we... <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll it, probably have to say something about Harry and Charlie a little bit more. Just the fact mm. that I thought Harry was one of our best players. And again, he he probably could have had six. Like it's, uh, again, going back to these the opportunities that we missed, but... It's just so great to have those two firing and, you know, it's so funny. We haven't we haven't talked about Cripps yet and we hadn't really talked about these two and, and Doc only a little bit and they're just the guys that we now yeah. uh, expect this from every week and it's not amazing when we see it. So, yeah, just a shout out to them because it's just so good. Mm. 
Yeah, like I wasn't able to uh, get to the game, just didn't work and whatnot. But watching it on the couch, every single time Charlie and Harry marked the ball, I was up and I was running around the, the living room just yeah. in amazement, uh, particularly, I guess, Charlie of going, God, we have missed this man for the last two years. Like, And just trying to th- imagine what we would have been like if we had a guy that, like how many games has he played since he came back and he's already kicking, what, three, four, could have kicked seven. It's... yeah. He's amazing. The, the marks that he's able to take from positions where when the ball comes in, you're like, oh, damn, he's not getting to this one. And then out of nowhere plucks it. And, and same thing goes for Harry. There was one, I think it was in the last quarter, where absolute bullet into the forward line. I don't reckon Harry was like, I reckon he was oh, yeah. 20 meters behind the stoppage. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, just sprints through. Mine, thanks. I loved it. Having players that can do this, and I know we don't want to rely on these, you know, contested marks and things like that, but just knowing we can go to that at times and it's what it will make us a premiership team. It's what separates like the good teams from the great teams. Like once everything else is working and we've got it all down, when the moment comes, if we're you know lucky enough to get into that grand final and we send that long ball with seconds to go needing a mark, we know mm. that we've got players capable of that. And for them to be kicking seven goals between them every single week that they've been doing. Yeah. Two guys that could legitimately win the Coleman medal, which is insane to think. That That is just amazing. And then having the, the others yep. chip in, getting your Martin, your small forwards in always in Durden, Cripper kicking his one or two every week. That yep. is just the building blocks of such a good side. And I just think that if we can get all these little other pieces on the side that you're seeing glimpses of, Mate, by the end of this season and definitely next year, I mean, watch out. I think teams are already having to watch out, but this it's gonna be scary. Yeah, I don't want to take us. I don't want us to take it for granted. We I, I was mm. listening to Fev Fev talk before the game at a at a function at the ground, and he was saying, "When is the last time that the Blues had this? Like two dominant key forwards?" And he was yeah. saying he, he wishes that he had a, a tall forward you know at the in the later end of his Carlton yeah. time to take some of the pressure off him because he's like every time we went forward the defenders mm. knew where it was going and mm. it's not like that right now yeah and it's like well you can maybe stop one even though no one seems to be able to but you're not stopping the other and exactly yeah it is it's going to be so fun to watch i absolutely love seeing it every single week um one thing i would love to talk about um as well because it was something I was very nervous and apprehensive about going into this game was our ruck stocks. Oh, yeah. Something that was the negative last week, all of a sudden a good performance and there's no conversation on it, which is great to see. Uh, We obviously go in with just DeConing and pretty much JSOS to handle the rucks. Mm. How do you think they went? I thought they did fantastic Mm. and I thought – I, I it was I was really nervous about it as well. Um, obviously Sherry not playing, but Goldstein like he can still <laughs> he can yeah, still play. He's big, <laughs> and and I'm not saying that he had a bad performance either. But I was just really proud of of those two, especially TDK. I thought yes. it, it was a bit. I was a bit nervy with some of the times how he's looked out there when he's been the number one guy, and and Pitt hasn't been there. Um, and I thought he really showed. More maturity and and some growth from earlier in the season, um, and he's put a lot of faith in me that that we can we can survive mm. without Pitt for this time frame against the the bigger guys. Because like I said, Cody's a big guy, and he was winning the ball on the ground. Um, mm. He was doing the hard stuff too. 
Um, and I thought, even though the the stats, like the the, the raw hit out yes. numbers, may not um, tell that story. I think if you watch the game, you'd think TDK did, and mm. Sauce did a great job. Well, it was a big talking point. Just the big common theme with us is where that straight out of the center side. And you take that away, yep. we've got nothing. And we don't score goals. And so I, I was nervous going, well, yeah, I've seen it. I saw Gold Coast, saw a bit last week as well when we weren't seemingly winning it out of there. We struggled. I don't know what we did that was different in there because I agree with you. And I just looked up um, North stats as well. And TDK only had the 20 hit outs, which was the same as Coleman Jones. Goldie had 36. And, and Sauce, I think, only had like nine or something quite small. Mm. To be able to win the midfield battle, not winning the hit out is exactly. amazing. And what I really loved, yeah, growth was the perfect word that you, you summed it up perfectly about De Koning's game. He didn't look out of place like he has previously when he comes up against bigger Ruckman. He, I don't know what he's changed, what they've been working on, but I mean, it's only a small sample size. You know, we'll find out, I think, a bit more next week against an O'Brien type. But just what he was able to do with his body, I thought I was noticing him around the ground a lot more. He seemed to be a bit of a presence wherever he was around it. Um, so just little things from from decoding, but I definitely feel a little bit more positive about our rucks if we can continue to get that kind of performance out of them. And, I mean, look, I don't want this guy in the ruck. But there was one tap from Paddy Cripps in that forward How good. Line, straight down the throat wow. of Carroll. Handball over to Walsh, kicks a goal. That was so sexy from Cripper. This bloke, so it could hot. be a bloody All-Australian Ruckman, full forward, midfielder. <laughs> it could be the All-Australian fullback. We've just never seen him down there, I think. He, Fatty Cripps is just the greatest player that the game's ever seen. Yeah. yeah, you never know. You never know. And, yeah, and it's a it's a small sample size on the Rucks, but, <clears throat> like, I watched the, the Collingwood Gold Coast game. Jared Witts is one of the informed Ruckman mm, in the yes. comp right now. And then, obviously, um Darcy last week. So, yeah, you're right. It'll be a great test against O'Brien, but it's not always going to be the massive body mm. um, dominant hit out yes. guys that TDK is going to be coming up against too. So, yeah, he did a great job. Yeah, and it's just about like how can we as a unit, not just him, like midfielders as well, minimize the effect that the Rucks are having if they are starting to get on top of us. And I thought that we did a really good job of, hey, we're not winning the hit out. Tom will either make sure that the hit out itself isn't that good because of what he's able to do with his leap and body movement, but then the midfielder is able to read that tap a little bit better. So, yeah, I was definitely a lot more positive on that than I was last week. And, I mean, again, another one from the VFL. I didn't see too much of it. But, again, you read the stats and you hear people talking about it. Murkov playing well again. I'm not saying we need to see him anytime soon, but it's still mm. good to hear that he just keeps taking those steps every single week and just keeps performing. It gives, again, a little bit more positivity in case there is another injury and yeah. we have to throw someone in there. That Who knows? Who knows what we're getting? Um, yeah. <laughs> next point that I have in my little run sheet here is there was a little bit, I guess, heated in this, uh, in this football game. I'd love to get was your... It? Yeah, I think there was a little bit in there. Um, I guess, what was your take on, firstly, the, the JSOS Horn Francis biff that's been going on on Twitter? I've never seen so many North Melbourne supporters, firstly, in my life, oh, where uh, are commenting where they from? on social media. I reckon I've seen about six tweets, and that's the most I've ever seen from North Melbourne. So good to see them getting involved for once. Um, still, the content that they're chucking out on that is potentially worse than the Kanga, Kanga, Kanga chant. Um, they're just, 
They're a delusional bunch, uh, North Melbourne. But yeah, what did you make of the uh, the JSOS Horn Francis Biff? I I try to be unbiased, but I, I've seen some I thought really balanced takes from some of the Carlton community people about this. I think both sides are absolutely fine. Horn yeah. Francis is so within his right. They're down by thirty. There's an avalanche of goals. About oh, I can't remember if it had already taken place or it was the midst of it. Mm. Sure, like get, r- try and rough someone up, try and start a bit of biff. That is absolutely fine with me. That's what we would want to see our players doing yeah. if we were in that situation. And then the sauce thing is just so ridiculous. I've, like the amount of things that would get said in a game of football that don't get picked up on the, yeah. on the recording. Um, that would be far from the worst. And just who cares? Like this is just what footy is. I, it's just so it's so overblown. I hate that we even have to talk about it like this mm. because it's just it's just part of, of footy and it shouldn't be taken out of it, in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's an odd thing where I feel like the community seem to they're like, Oh, where are all these characters? Where's all this? Bring back the biff. We want a bit of physicality into it. And then as mm. soon as someone shows a bit of personality on the field, a bit of you know, trash talking, bit of physicality. We 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 shit the bed. We go. Oh, what is this? No, that guy can't say that about my team. Oh no, but Carlton have been shit too. What's he doing? Telling oh, yeah. Horn Francis something like we want this. I want more of it. I loved that. You know, I don't, I don't. Okay, I don't necessarily love that Horn Francis you know, has a go at you know Jay Sauce and gives him a bit of a don't bump love it. Well, but you know, fair enough. He's trying to insert some physicality into it when his team's down again. I want I want I want our players to be continually being physical, doing a bit of something. Then JSOS goes at him, he goes back. I want to see that every single week from everyone. Like I love that. And I think we should be embracing that. And I, I as soon as I saw it on TV, I was like, Yeah, go JSOS. And I would have thought that the exactly. North supporters would have been like, Yeah, go Horn Francis. And that's what it is. And it's a bit of back and forth. I can't believe people are losing their heads over it. It's insane. And then you see something that does need to actually be spoken about. Which is the mm. the Larky hit um, on Young? Yep. I guess w- what do you what do you make of that? Because that was one of the one of the worst things I think I've seen in a long time. <sighs> yeah, I definitely think it's bad. I think, um, what is my take on this? I definitely think it deserves weeks, no doubt, and it obviously mm. could have been a really really bad result. Um, I, I think the hard thing, yeah, I, similar to kind of the Lewis Young situation. It, I don't think that Larky was preempting that for two minutes, thinking oh, I'm yes. going to. But but th- but this is how some people are talking about it. Like it's just him doing a complete dog act. I still think that it was quite a, a split second decision to c- go out of the context and tunnel him, um, which doesn't make it okay. Um, but it, it obviously was very dangerous and, and deserves weeks. Um, yeah. Mm, no, interesting. I I mean I think it was. It's incredibly a coward act to do that, and it could have been so dangerous. And I hate to see it. I that kind of shit needs to get like stamped out when it happens. And I guess that's where I don't know if this is my overreaction, Carlton bias, but I see that, and I'm like, mate, give this guy more than one week because that's an act that Mm. we need to be getting out of the game. Guy goes back with an uncontested mark, ump blows his whistle, and then as he's coming down, bloke tries to take him out for. Whatever reason, and I agree, it wasn't like he was there for before the game, getting his notebook out, going, "Okay, whenever someone's up in the air, let's get him." Like he's clearly not <clears throat> planning this in his basement for twelve years. This is a on the fly thing, but it's still incredibly uh, cowardice 
And it's not something we want to see because it could, it could have paralyzed him. Like I don't want to be someone that's sitting out there going, Oh, this could have happened. This could have happened. But you're only like the only thing that could happen there is he now loses his balance and could land on his head the way he's falling. Absolutely. Like that's the situation you're putting into it. Um, I saw a good point from Joey Montagna. So I'm bringing him up again on the podcast that said report yep. wise, they've sort of backed themselves into a corner because they, by the letter of the law and their gradings, they can't really give him more than one week, which I don't know how right. much that needs to change if you think it needs to be more. But mm. like that kind of act I don't want to be seeing in the AFL. I don't want to see that from a Carlton player. I don't want to see us doing those little cheap things that could result in injury. But what I did love from it mm. was, and this seemed to be the big trend of the day, every single player coming in remonstrating. Oh, yeah. I loved that within about two seconds, somehow the Carlton players have tried to drag him a million different ways and his, his jumper basically just exploded off him, uh, which was an absolute sight. Uh, it was absolutely good. hilarious. Um, and then we get the free kick. We don't do anything stupid to then reverse it, which could easily happen in mm. those circumstances. Good so point. good to see us figuring that out. And then Weedering getting, oh, I don't know how like, we got the second the 50. Don't know what happened. Weedering, shades of uh, Brendan Bolton, goes down forward, slots it, <laughs> stadium erupts, take the lid off, off Marvel because that's gone. How good was that from Jacob oh. Weeding to go back it and kick the goal after the end of that whole passage? I've watched it back so many times. His reaction <laughs> is just so perfect. So perfect. He was so and you don't And you don't see much from Weedering either. I don't feel like he's very emotional, but he went absolutely oh, off it. his rocker. I loved it. I want to see more of that from Weedering. I want to see him lose it. Yeah. I don't, know, I don't know if you saw uh, that video of, of Jack Carroll talking after the game about yeah. uh, him being very emotional. I thought that was funny too. He was saying, oh, yeah, I think I probably went over the top a bit on my celebration. <laughs> you see him, it's just like stoked. Yeah, face. it was nothing. Like, <laughs> it was. <laughs> I think he, he, he got a high five. Him. Like That was it. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully we see him lose the plot one day too. That'll be good. Yeah, so I now wonder what it's like when he when he kicks one. Like, if that's him yeah. going overboard, he just kicks it and just goes home. That's him. He's like, oh, I'm done for the day. Clock off. So funny. Um, but all of this chat is kind of leading to this main point. So it took me a while to get there. Um, mm-hmm. But I've softened you up a little bit because we often talk about this and we have previously. I feel like this episode's a callback to, you know, things from yesteryear. But mm. we always seem to play better angry when yep. we're arcing up when we're rubbing people on the head, when they give away free kicks, when we're backing up teammates. Like I loved Liam Stocker. He got a bit of a tackle oh, over the Liam. line that was a bit rough. Picks up the ball. Doesn't just give it back to the umpire, but he throws it at the idiot who tackled him. Uh, I love to see this stuff. And you know, getting into the verbal banter with other players, bringing the energy. How do we get that from us every single week? Like how can we harness us playing not dirty, but playing aggressive, playing with a bit of an aggressive edge. Because it always seems like whenever we are in the battle, whenever we're into the jabber punches and stuff like that, we play 10 times better. Yeah. Well, it probably starts with Liam playing every week. So, I think so. Let's, <laughs> let's instill that as a new policy once he's healthy. Um, I think for me, it's probably going to be about when we start to get our tails up even more as we continue to grow as a team under Vossi and get better and better. And hopefully we just kind of get that that mm. confidence about us where we're not going to let teams bully us around and we're going to be those guys that, are, that, yeah. that use our physicality, that 
yeah, like like the JSOS, JHF thing. Like if you're losing and you try and have a go, we're going to tell you how it is. Mm. Um, and it would be so hard for them to have that kind of confidence with how we've been. And honestly, yeah, mm. like this is obviously the biggest Carlton bias ever, but good on JSOS for being able to do that because finally we're seeing some success in his career and he's, yeah, he's going to take that upon himself to say that, look, look at the scoreboard, mate, we're killing you. Um, mm. So I, I hope that that's the case. We, we'll continue to win games. We're still going to have some losses here and there, but as the belief and confidence mm. grows, we're not going to let sides push us around. Yeah. That's not a bad point. I, I just, yeah, I just, I want us to harness that however we can every week. And I don't, I don't care if we're down by six goals. I want us to try and get Arky and, and not do anything stupid. I don't want to see us uh-huh. doing the Larky hits and things like that, anything off the ball, trying to injure anyone. But it's just the aggression that we seem to play with. And as soon as something happens, we're all up. Jack Carroll gets tackled for his first thing, everyone's into him. Jack Carroll kicks yeah. a goal, we're all around him. Someone goes, one of our players, we're there. That's what we need to be doing every single week. We need to play with this aggressive edge because we're better for it. And it feels mm. like the players, they stand a little bit taller. And you see with Cripper, Absolutely. like he loves to get into it when someone grabs him. He's just laughing. Like he loves it. He loves that, oh, yeah. that contact. And I feel like, yeah, I don't know if it is that confidence and maybe that's something that's just going to have to grow. It, it's something that's going to take time for us to build the confidence, but we need to find a way to mm. harness that. And I hope Vossi can can see that, see how we play when we're a little bit angry and before the game, try to G the boys up because if anyone yeah. can do it, it's surely him. Oh. He could do it on the field. So, yeah, I'm excited if we can find a way to do that because I absolutely love it. But I guess kind of touching on the, the Stocker and the uh, Lewis Young incidents, what do you make of them? Both get a week. We've gone and tried to challenge for Lewis Young to, to get him off. What are you doing with um, those? Where do you see them? Do you think that they're worth a week? I'm not the biggest expert on like the system that goes yeah. through with the MRO and everything like that. You and I could probably do a whole bloody episode diving into that and how we think it could be improved. But, yeah, it just seemed like both scenarios to me um, – Please, nobody call me biased. I just didn't think any of them seemed weak worthy. Mm. Like Young's one yeah. shouldn't have even been a free kick, in my opinion. Uh, and people are saying, yeah, but it was high contact. Even if it's front of the body, that makes it and all mm. that. Uh, from from where I sit, I don't think either of them are weak. Um, yeah. And, you know, it seems like Stock's going to – he said that he's going to miss at least a couple of weeks. So if he gets a week, that's really no Doesn't skin matter. off our back. But, I'm gee, I'm pretty confident that Young should be able to get off. Do you think so? I mean, is the is the issue with Stocker? We need to challenge it because we've got to make sure he's he's still eligible eligible for the Brown though. Like we've got to get mm. him to win these awards. Um, Good point. But no, I I think that it's an interesting one, and I, their grading system is interesting. Yeah, we could do a whole video on that at some stage. But I think just optics and what I want. Like I get it; they want to stop this bump. They want you tackling instead of bumping. But what do fans want? Fans love a bump. Players love a bump. And it's as long as they don't hit the head, I thought everything was fine. And then even if they do hit the head, if they're not concussed, you only get one week. I thought that was kind of how they were doing it. And the fact that both of these seemingly didn't make contact to the head, it seemed like it was shoulder and chest for both of them. I don't know how you can say that's a week. The only thing I can come to is that the AFL are just steadfast on, I don't want to see anyone ever in AFL 
going for a, a, a shoulder, going for a bump. Sure. I don't want to see it. Like that's the only thing I can think that they're like, we got to give him a week because we don't want to see this action because, and I, I get this and I'll take my Carlton bias off split decision. Both of those. And I think Lewis Young's is potentially the more dangerous because he's coming front on running at him. Interesting. All, all Lewis Young has to do is make contact with his head. Zerha's gone. Whereas I yep. think potentially more for the stalker situation because he's coming in from the side and I didn't, maybe I didn't feel there was as, as much force for the stalker one. Mm-hmm. It's probably less likely. But again, if he hits the head, he's knocked out. So I, I can maybe understand from the AFL's point of view of like, well, yeah, you didn't hit him, but the impact is hard enough that if you did, he was gone. And that's what they're going for. I don't sure. necessarily agree with it, but I can see what they're doing. But yeah, I don't know. I I don't think either should be a week because they didn't make contact with the head and there is no concussion. Both, I think, played the game. So I don't see there being any issue, but the AFR will do what the yeah. AFL does. The issue, I'm, I mostly agree with that. The issue that I have is I think Stockers was a bump. I, I would call that a bump. And it looks yeah. like it in slow motion with Young, but I would call that a brace because they were both go- sprinting for the ball and at the last second, Young decides, I am not going to be able to get this. Yeah. This is in my opinion. And so his options are either to keep going for the ball and probably not win it because it was obvious that um, yeah. like he was going to get there a second before him. He could like open his body up to him no, or he can brace. Yeah. So the, I, I feel like with, with Stockers, that's kind of like that preemptive. You could, for a few seconds he decided I'm going to try and clean him up. And I agree that it wasn't as dangerous as what Young did. But yes. With these, with these split-second things, it's just like, mm. oh, it's just crazy if Young has to miss a whole week of his job because of that split-second mm. thing where he I, – I don't think there was malice there personally. And I know that malice isn't everything and there's all, there's all mm. the other rules about it, but yeah. well, I just don't know what else he could have done. No, I, I like that side of it. I didn't really think too much about that, but you, you spot on. Because with the Stocker one, he, he he didn't have to bump. He sprinted in to no. make contact with the body. That was his whole idea, and I loved it. Hate that he got injured from it. That's the upsetting part. So I want my players to be physical, and I, and I just love seeing that kind of body contact. But, yeah, I get you with the with the Lewis Young one, and it's it's become this issue where it seems like those outside the game that are adjudicating it go – this is what I've seen, and that's that you elected to bump. Therefore, it's weeks or whatever. You had the choice. That's what you've done. Whereas you ask like any player and they go, I mean, come on. You've got split-second decision, as you say. Ball's there to be won. You've lost it. In your head, you go, well, I either do nothing and die because the other guy's yeah, going to clean me Yeah, let this guy run up, through me. Yep. Or I protect myself. And that's what you're taught as a young kid. It's like, you, if the ball's there, brace yourself. And so I agree with you. Like, I think there's no malice in the young one. I don't think young went into that one to hit, whereas I think Stocker did. So I can get that point of view. But it's that hard thing where young, I don't think meant it, but because of his positioning, it's more dangerous in a way because of that force. Yeah. But then it goes back to what it should do, which is, okay, what's the intention? I don't think the intention is to, cause harm so whatever that is even though they're probably going to say the intention was there because he elected to bump but that's a whole nother issue on their whole system and they didn't make contact with the head and he's not concussed so what's the issue i i don't know how 
I mean, okay. I do know how he's going to get a week because the AFL have no idea what they're doing and I don't trust their tribunal process and we haven't for the last 10 years, but he shouldn't. And I guess my follow-on point to that is, and it kind of goes to the selection, is what happens if Lewis Young isn't available and how much do you think that that's going to hurt us with our already depleted um, tall defenders? It hurts. That is for damn sure. Um, Yeah. I haven't kept up enough with the injury reports, so you're going to have to fill me in on how OMAC is looking um, and whether he's going to be close. Not close. I don't know. Uh, I mean, injury reports is something we're going to touch on uh, at (laughs) a later date in this podcast. I've got it already here, but I think the last time they said anything was sort of like he's two to three weeks. He seems to be two to three weeks for the past two to three weeks ever since he got the injury. Uh, They're not giving a lot of information on that one. So I would not expect him to come straight back in. I would expect him to almost not maybe come back through the twos, but he'd have to have some sort of training. And I don't think he's really been out there, which is maybe why I don't think he'll be straight back in. So, yeah, I go. let's go down the the route of Omak's not available. Who comes in? Yeah, I guess it's going to have to be the the next man up. And I'm going to be optimistic and say that we're going to be able to get it done without him and that we'll be able to, you know, evolve our structure. But I guess Parksy is is one guy that comes to mind that can be mm. a taller option. Um, yeah, gosh, my Adelaide knowledge sucks. You got Himmelberg there, don't you? Um, and Tex. And Tex, of course. Some tall yeah. boys, you, which is a bit of an issue. Well, oh, I, I guess the, I the other thing as well, uh, it might involve some moving around. Sorry to interrupt you, but no, you're good. Um, we'll get to the selections, and and you would think Hewitt and Williams have to come in, and I'm not sure who is getting omitted mm. for them. Yeah, it, it it makes a big selection headache. We've already been. I think that's almost why maybe I'm a bit more biased and want Young to get off so much because we're pretty decimated if he does go because we've got no one else. McGovern injured, Marchbank still not there, Omax not there. The only other person is really, I think, like Brody Kemp would probably be my option to come in. Yeah. Um, again, he's not the tallest guy. I know he went down back this week to play um, in defense in the twos to change something up. So obviously they know a little bit where maybe struggling in defense and to get him back down there, which maybe has mm. come at the perfect time to get him a bit of form. But yeah, it's it's going to hurt us a bit. Like yeah. Tex is. Clearly the one to stop. And I trust Weedering to be able to do a bit of a job on him. Uh, like Tex is probably going to kick his two goals. He, he's going to do that regardless. He's a good player. That's just what happens. Yeah. Himmelberg's the one that is just quite tall. So I thought that Lewis Young was going to be a really good matchup for that. I don't necessarily rate him as the, the greatest footballer, but if he has a matchup like a Kemp where he's got that height advantage, that could be a bit of an issue for us if they're able to exploit that at times. It, it will hurt us if he's not out there. But, mm. yeah, you just got to back in the boys and say, yeah, next man in, Ooh. we find a way to, to work this system to not allow Adelaide to have the ball in there enough that it becomes an issue. I think that's just how you got to <laughs> roll with it, to take the positive side with it. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's pretty hard to kick goals with zero inside 50s, so I think that's the approach we'll roll with. I like that. Mate, we should be coaches. I like this. Just uh, don't let them get the ball. <laughs> What's so hard about that? <laughs> get it done boys i don't know what you're doing out there uh so let's jump into the fan votes gee it, it took me i reckon 
since since the match, I've been on XL trying to get this done, <laughs> trying to tally all the votes. And we're here 6 p.m. on Monday night, and I've just got them done. Uh, but no, thank you so much. I love it. I just got to find a better way to get this done because uh, I'm not the smartest man at tabulating it. But they're here, and when you hear the votes, you'll know there's a few because he, with one it is, of course, Big Harry getting the one vote with 31, which is a lot of votes. We love to see that. Two yeah. is Adam Saad with 67, which was a lot closer than I expected, to be honest, when I was looking at who got the threes and who got the twos. But Interesting. with 72 votes, getting the three is, of course, our captain, Big Rick, Big Paddy Cripps gets the, gets three votes. Um, are you siding with the judges there in the <laughs> fans with your three, two, ones, Lockie? Have you got coin on Rick Brownlow, by the way? I'm sure the odds aren't do- too good now because it's a damn certainty. I missed the boat. I missed the boat yeah. on that one. Um, I like. There's a bit of me that's hoping that look, if it comes down to it, maybe. Brayshaw from from Frio can sneak in because I do have some money on him. Um, and maybe that, those two Hi. games are going to cost Cripper. Um, no, well, I want Cripper to win, of course. Uh, but no, I, mi- I missed out. I should have gone early. And then I, I yeah. then I just thought the odds weren't good enough. So that, that's on me. That's but, yeah, I think Big that's Rick, fair. he can miss as many games as he wants. He's getting the three in anything he plays. So it's going to be very hard to, uh, at this stage, yeah. take the Chaz off him. Except for L Lydiard because I'm giving Adam the three. Because I love this man and he might just be my favorite player because, yeah, I love him. And I'm sick of giving Cripps three every time he plays. <laughs> so he can have two this week. No, I don't mind that. It's I feel like we said this about Sam Walsh last year, but it's almost like we need to do the non-Paddy Cripps man of the match <laughs> every single week because yeah. he's getting too much of it and it's almost getting a bit boring trying to give him... The three. Um, but, yeah, look, I I do agree with you. I've given my three to Saad as well. There I have is. a feeling I snubbed him last week with a vote. I think I gave my one to Doc in the end. I can't remember because I tried to look at my run sheet and I had written both of them down there for the one and then I picked it at the last second uh, just to let you guys know how much uh, effort and research goes into <laughs> this really? podcast. A lot on the fly, uh, you wouldn't believe <laughs> by the sound of it. Uh, but, yeah, so I've had to give Saad the three. thought he was absolutely instrumental. Any single time the ball seemed to go out the back, he was the one stopping it and then rebounding. Uh, I just yeah. can't say enough about this man. Who have you given the two and one to? Yeah, so I gave big Rick two, and then, yeah, I went Harry with one as well. There's just no way that Harry couldn't have been in the votes, I think, for how dominant he was. So mm. I'm ready to fight you for it when you don't put him in there. No, I've, I've gone the exact same. I think you should have realized by most of this podcast that we've pretty much formed back into the same person. If you're watching yeah. this on YouTube, pretty sure this screen is just one and there's only one person talking into a microphone <laughs> because every single thing has been on point. It was pretty hard, though. There are a lot of players I really wanted to give a one to. Um, like Doc yep. was so good again. It just, so good. Like we don't ever talk about him, but he just does every single thing you'd ever want him to do. And for him to be doing this off the back of everything is just insane. He has to be surely in a bit of All-Australian contention. Definitely Saad, I think. Plowman was someone I would have loved to give a vote to. Lewis Young was someone I would have loved to give a vote to for things that both of those guys were doing. A cheeky one for, you know, even Carroll potentially in there if you wanted to. There was a, even a you know, Fisher was was playing so well and being so instrumental. You, you could definitely give mm. him votes. 
Um, so it was definitely a tough week to narrow it down to three, but you can't not give it to H where I felt like he was never seemingly in the right position when the ball was there and he'd always just end <laughs> up with it because he's just a, a superstar and he knows how to jostle himself to get in the right spot at the right time. He's an absolute superstar. I love it. I love it. Such an even, even performance across the board from so many, mm. which is what we need to get these dubs. Exactly. You said it exactly right. Uh, let's talk about the Adelaide game. There is a bit to cover, and I've already gone for the hour and almost 10 at this stage, but we we're going to keep going. I, we did say earlier it's going to be a long one, so strap yourselves in because <laughs> this is another good test. It's almost come at the right time after this North one. Teams come in front of us that we normally struggle against, um, these lower teams that we should be beating, tick. Mm. Now come up against Adelaide, who I think we've been okay with against in previous years. But again, another one of these teams that I think they've been a bit better this year. They've got a couple of scalps, but we should be beating them. No disrespect to Adelaide, but we should be beating them. We're ahead of, of them um, on the ladder, ahead of them in development is the team that we need to be beating. And if we do it, we go six and two and set ourselves up really well for a couple oh. of interesting fixtures over the next month or so. Uh, so this is a great test, great time to do it. We've come out, we've shown that we can play third quarters, and I'm really excited to see how we evolve. So I guess yep. going with that, um, who are you kind of looking at to maybe come into the team? Because oh. I, I do want to have a bit of a chat about selection. Not sure if you want to do that now and injuries yeah, or yeah. whether you want to go straight into the ins and outs. Um, yeah, up to you. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll call out just a quick uh, couple of fan or listener questions oh, here. Oh, true. It, it might, Thank you no, for getting just, on top of that one. No, no, just because it, it it ties into this with some names. Um, obviously, we continue to see some good VFL performances. Um, so Mark DT said, you know, obviously Carol came in with some good VFL form. Um, does that mean it's Williamson time to get a go with the with the three snags that he kicked? Mm. Um which is interesting. I'll let you think about that for a second while I just read this other one out. Not that this is yeah, right around the corner, but, Jay, the man that we have not spoken about maybe at all in this podcast this year, but Navy Blue Baggers says, how good does our midfield look with that extra bit of pace from Fisher and Carroll? Agreed. Mm. The Weeders goal loved it. Are you boys keen for Cunningham to come back? Imagine how Silky will be on the wings with Lobb and Cunningham there. So, yeah, just love David. Just wanted to give a shout out to him. Oh. Mate, you, I cannot wait. I cannot tell you how much I'm excited for Cunningham to come back into this team. I think I yeah. had him close to, or if not in, my best 22 at the start of the season. I think I had him as my sub. I uh, mm. mentioned a couple of times just how much I think it's just going to flourish in what we're doing those early few games when we're using the outside ball, needing these guys exploding from stoppages and exploding out wide. I was just like, this is Cunningham. This is everything that this guy can do. And if he can stay healthy, if he can get a run at it, seeing him, whether he's playing that high half forward, rotating on the wing, pinch hitting in the midfield, I know we've got so many of them, Mm. but he brings that X factor. He's a guy that can stream forward. He can kick goals. And I I felt last year he was that guy that whenever we did something good in the handball chains, he was involved. And and we've seen in in glimpses that Essendon game a couple of years back when he was actually playing full-time mid that he was that burst from stoppage kind of player, kind of what I guess your Paddy Dow type is. And I still think that that is something we do miss a little bit in this makeup. I was listening to um, Pommy and Oz and his breakdown of the game, and he was kind of talking mm. about um, Paddy Dow and how he sees he sees his midfield being 
Paddy Dow comes in for Kennedy eventually because there's almost too many of these inside midfielders that they just get the handball out and we needed mm. a, to diversify it a little bit and get a player like Dow who can burst from the stoppage because we kind of lack that. And I tend to agree sure. and Cunningham could be that as well. I, I just love the fact that he is that versatile player, Cunners. He could do a lot. And yeah. man, I, I can't wait to just see what he can do because I think you can plug him anywhere. And I, I just love to have him in this team. Hopefully it won't be too long and he'll be back vying for a spot, which right now, mm. segue, it's hard. <laughs> not easy. Not no. easy. Yeah, so I guess looking at it, looking at a bit of VFL chat, I know we both didn't see a lot of it on this weekend, but to give you a couple of the stats, probably the three, um, I mean, camp stats, they weren't amazing, but he's a defender. You don't expect that. He's probably the other one to chat no. about, which we have already. The main three that will get spoken about every week, I reckon, is Dow, who has 34 disposals, stars in the midfield. So you've got another, he keeps knocking down this door. It's going to be hard to get into, but again, he adds something different. And I thought Kennedy played well, but if I'm giving my personal view, and I'm not saying Dow in this week, but I think the next evolution of this Carlton midfield is a Kennedy out and a Dow in. Nothing against Kennedy. I just think the mix and the players that we need in there you got Cripps being the bull, can do anything, go down forward. you got Hewitt being that bull, Chera for a bit of bit everything, Walsh for a bit of everything. I think we still need that burst out because I think we do lack a bit of speed in there. And I thought Jack Carroll added a little bit of that. He's that class by foot, but we don't have that guy that can burst. And mm. whether that's Dow, whether that's a Cunningham, I think that's what we still lack. And I'd love to see Dow get a chance at some stage. Um, and I think if I'm doing my best 22 right now, I kind of want to see that mix over what Kennedy is. But that's nothing against him because he plays well. And he, I mean, I have no issues with his game, but I just think we can evolve a little bit more. Um, yeah. Then the other one's probably Williamson, who got 21 disposals and three goals. Seems to be playing this wing role really, really well. Uh, I mean, kick three goals, you've got to be playing pretty well. The other one's Motlop with 18 disposals and a goal. So with those guys and a bit of what I touched on, I guess, Paddy Dow and my big call about <laughs> getting rid of Kenny at some stage, are you willing to bring any of those guys in this week? Not for me this week. Um, and the only thing I'll say about Dow, I, I totally agree with what you're saying about that mix and that structure being ideal moving forward. The only thing that I want to say about Dow, not being a hater, nobody yep. call me a hater. I love Paddy Dow. And we love that he's best on ground in the twos, but it's the twos. Mm. And yeah. we have seen this before. And we've seen, mm. I, don't, I don't want to do any drive-flies like you did with SPS, but we've seen Brock McLean be very, very good in the twos. And then when he would come in to, to the Carlton team, it wasn't the same story. <laughs> and, and there's plenty of guys like that, like Nick Graham, guys that are so good in the twos at that yep. level and they can't do it in the team. Um, three weeks ago, obviously, we were saying Kennedy was, you know, one of the mm. best players in our entire yes. team. And <clears throat> Yeah. So I agree with you about the mix, though. And if, if Dow is the guy that we want him to be, then I like that call. Mm. Um, yeah. But I, I suppose, yeah, at, unless you wanted to comment on that, um, I think at this stage, after a big win like this, it's it's not time for any of those three to come in to omit someone, which I think you would have to do. I think your Kemp call for if Young does miss is a good one um, because it doesn't really – there isn't really any movement that we could do that I can see mm. that would make our structure work like internally in the team right now. Yeah. Um, and then Hewitt I think has to come in, which 
Oh, it's crazy to say. I I don't know where Zach comes in. Mm. What are your it's, thoughts? It's a tough week at the selection table. And, yeah, I guess to chat just the tiniest little bit more on the Dow thing, yeah, I do agree ahead. with you. He, he's never shown like 100% nailed down AFL. He's shown glimpses, and I thought last year he'd have like a half where it was unbelievable and then went into his shell. Uh, I guess sure. I just I would love to see what he could do with these other players around him with a system that seems to work really well for this burst. Mm. You see us at those center clearances, and we do it really well, and I just I just I really want to see at some stage what he can do in there. And I'm not calling for Kennedy to get dropped anytime soon because, uh, as, as you mentioned, I think his form's been unbelievable. He's been one of our better ball winners. But I just I think that the next evolutionary step is that kind of player in, sure. and I think he's just going to be that unfortunate guy that it's it's you get two players it's Cripps Hewitt or Kennedy which two yeah. are you taking? Of course, he probably misses out. Which I'm not saying I want to get rid of him. I want him re-signed and I want him for years because he's as you can see from this season there's injuries and you need to put someone in there and I think he's completely capable but if what if Dow can keep doing this getting those 30 touches for the next month if there's an injury or whatever I think he probably has to come in at some stage um but yeah yeah, apart from the other yeah you go I kind of say you make make a great point that I didn't consider the fact that yeah like now that we've got Hewitt and Chera also being those feeders for the the outside guys as well and like the, the burst players you're right we yeah, we have to be able to see what Dow can do with that because it's a very different situation mm. to him coming into the midfield last year and us being like, all right, you need to be in our best three mids here, yeah. whereas now it's kind of like be be the fifth. So, yeah, mm. go ahead. Yeah, I think it's that sort of complementary side to the midfield that excites me a bit. And, yeah, it's if you can Love keep it. doing this form. Uh, apart from that, yeah, Williamson's the one that excites me a little bit probably because okay. – We've been talking about that wing position quite a lot. And at the moment, O'Brien for me, just keep him. What are you doing getting him out of the team? Keep him in there. Uh, and then the other one still, who's is, who's is it? And I liked Carroll out there. I think that that's something to persist with. Do not, whatever you do, Carlton, drop him, please. You'll have both right. of us after you, so please don't. Uh, but who else can you get through there? And Williamson's someone I kind of almost forgot about. We, we talked about him being on the wing a couple of years ago and it never seemed to really work or whatever happened. Mm. Having a bit of form. He, he seems to have played well in a few games that I've seen and some stats that I've looked at. He seems to be getting a bit of the ball. 21 disposal and three goals is very exciting. I would probably want to see him do it one more week and not just reward one week's bit of form. If you can do a similar role on the wing, do exactly what they're being asked of you, I think that's another evolution for us because the guy that I'm looking at to take out is probably going to be your Jack Nunes and maybe a bit harsh after that performance. They had 20-something touches, played really well, got a lot of meters gained for us and got a lot of those inside 50s. But if I'm trying to look at what's the best thing for evolving this team and getting us into finals long-term, Nunes isn't that guy. And so I'm kind of mm-hmm. maybe being harsh and trying to fast-track that as, as soon as possible. And Williamson excites me as a player that maybe could do that. Uh, but if you, I kind of agree with your changes at the moment. If you're trying to bring in a Hewitt, I think he probably just comes in for Stocker. Yeah. And you take Stocker out of that team. I think we've got enough almost guys that can do that. If you bring in a Zach Williams. And then Zach Williams for me probably has to then come in for Nunes, which because mm-hmm. he's probably the other guy that 
I'm comfortable taking out. And it, if I'm looking at, I get it. You've taken away, like, a, you've brought in a midfielder for a winger. Like, so it doesn't exactly equate, but I like the idea of having Carroll out there. Walsh and Chera can spend time there. Hell, Zach Williams, burst through the midfield. Have some wing time if you need it. Um, yeah. N- Newman, Saad, spend some time on the wing. I think we've got enough options that can go through there if you do take out a, a Nunes. There's not many other players I, I really want to drop. Potentially, um, if you're going to bring in like someone else, like maybe a, a, a Newman could come out. But then mm-hmm. I think because we've lost a stocker, you, you need that extra extra defender in there. Um, question I have for you is, if say Zach Williams isn't fit, would mm. you would you be happy if say a Williamson did come in for a Jack Nunes? Just a I, well, I I agree with the points you make about the long term view. Um, I just kind of have to go to my normal philosophy of like, yeah, Willow played a good game in the twos and Nunes played a good game in the ones. I don't think, I don't think Nunes is going to have a premiership medal around his neck Mm. uh, when we do. And we've said that a fair bit, Mm. but right now after a 50 point win, I'm not messing uh, with that unless it's for a must bring in player. And I obviously don't put Willow in that category, but say, I don't know, like, like say that soccer wasn't injured and it was just, we have to get Hewitt into this team. By, mm. by someone has to come out, then I would probably say Nunes, but I wouldn't be doing it for something mm. speculative like that where yeah. Nunes goes, well, I've just had one of my best games for Carlton in recent memory, and then Willow comes in and maybe has eight touches, mm. which he's been known to do when yeah. he got a chance last time. Um, mm. So, yeah. Yeah, but, I and, guess. And have, and my- that, yeah, no, go ahead. I was just saying, like, I think my only worry was I was trying to, like, write the team out and look at it because – if you lose Stocker and you have to bring in Hewitt, yep. you're sort of losing a defender. Like if you Agreed. look, like say say Zach Williams, just like park him for a moment. You say he's not coming mm-hmm. to the team. You've just lost a defender. You're replacing it with a midfielder, which means yep. currently there is no one in that team that can rotate with those halfbacks and play or play small defender currently. Valid. So who is that? And so I think if Zach Williams does come in, then someone would have to come out. I'm probably taking Nunes because I think you can do other things. But then if Zach Williams can't come back in, I'm trying to think, well, who can who can play defense at all? And yep. kind of weirdly, as much as I would love Willow to just take another week, have, a, have another run, get your form, do enough to knock down the door instead of just one week, the thought of a guy that I don't love him necessarily down half back and in defense – but I know he can play a role there and play wing. So it almost seems like the perfect bringing in to replace that defender and winger in a, in a weird way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I guess, saying. yeah. Does that change your mind at all? And then my second follow-up to that is who would you take out if um, Z-Dub is fit? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm really on the fence with this one. It's such a, again, a, a good problem, but also, I mean, it's not yeah. a great problem when, when with, with the argument you present and and taking out Stocker, who played the entire game, down back does leave a hole. Um, yeah, gosh, I, I'm not going to be able to come with an answer for this. Uh, I, I think, yeah, look, if I think about what I think will actually happen, and I, it pains me to say this, it feels like there's probably going to be an out somewhere with an injury that we may not 
foresee? Like, am I wrong in saying that? And that's not a dig at the club either because I'm not one of those. I, I think that they should be keeping information internal if it if it betters our chances of getting an up on the opponent or whatever. But that's what I'm hoping for at this point because I would yep. not be omitting anyone unless it was getting Hewitt in at any uh, – that like he has to come in. He's not yep. the sub. So would you be happy with Zach Williams running in the twos this week? Is If he's yes. good to go but you can't find a way you're happy? I would. Yeah. I, I don't think that is bad for him at all in, in that same – what was we it saying about the VFL players? Mate, yeah. go and have 35. Do it. Show us that you, that you can do that and then you come back in. No, look, I, I don't mind it. Um, probably touches on the next point I wanted to bring up and I feel like we have some differing views so we can have oh, um, a bit of a debate. It isn't just going to be a Nick Hind, no one else is debating. We're we actually <laughs> going to have some different points. So cool. there's been a lot of... I feel like it's been boiling for two years and it all really came to a head, I reckon, this week again when we thought we were getting a bit better transparency from the club and then the injury reports happened yet again and it's all of a sudden, oh, okay, we've named the team. But apparently Hewitt's injured. Oh, hang on, we've just we've just got him out of nowhere. We've got rid of Hewitt. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't on the injury list. And then other people that were injured, all of a sudden it comes out seven days later. Oh, they've, they've had another setback and all of this has happened. And there just seems to be a little bit of a, little bit of a lack of transparency. You, I guess, kind of maybe said a little bit of how you're feeling on that, where you don't mind too much because you like the idea of the advantage on the opponent. Is that your kind of take on the transparency of injury reports? Yeah. Well, I don't necessarily think that that specific scenario would give us so much of an advantage. I guess right now where I'm at with Carlton is I want us to do whatever it takes to win. And I don't see how the public knowing all of that information is of any benefit to us winning. Yeah. I, I disagree in parts. I think that I don't believe that other AFL clubs aren't fully aware of injuries to other teams. I reckon they'd have a fair inclination on who's going to play and who's not going to play. I also don't think that they take too much stock in what other teams are doing. Yeah, I honestly feel like they go, yeah, we kind of know how that team plays. Sweet. This is what we're going to do. This is how we play. And then there's just a tiny bit on matchup. And hearing a couple of AFL, sure. I can't remember where I heard this, but someone else, an AFL player was talking about how, yeah, they only kind of touch on that at the end of the session. Most of it's about what we can do, not worrying about sort of what the opposition are doing. And so I don't honestly believe that there's much to us hiding someone saying, oh, they're going to play, they're going to play, and then last minute pulling them out. I don't think that has much of a difference on other teams. I just think it hurts fans. And I I really look at other sports about these injuries and how transparent they are. Like I'm a big NFL man, and I believe the NBA Mm. do it quite similar, where their system is every single training, every single day, there's reports on all the players that basically don't train and they go Uh into, so if you don't train, everyone knows about it. It is reported by the club. And then everyone goes into different categories and they are, I don't know how they do this to be honest, but it is like 100%. This is normally how it goes. So there's no saying he's, he's out. And then all of a sudden he plays or saying they're questionable. Like they, 
they basically go questionable, doubtful, and then out. So there's three different categories for it. So you kind of know where most players are at, and there's clear reporting of this player has done this injury, they are sitting, they've missed this training, and everyone knows. And I think that that's really good for a fan point of view because I just I'm stu- now that we're in this world where we kind of know a lot that's going on. It is so frustrating, and fans are the ones that want to know everything that's going on. And I just don't think hiding injuries and not telling us what's going on with the players is the way to go. And the one thing I get disappointed and annoyed at with Carlton in particular is just the lack of information on all the players. And I get it. Like maybe not a lot changes week to week. Maybe you've gone, this player's out for four to six weeks with this injury. And you're like, well, I got nothing else to say this week. He's still in rehab or he's still doing his strength and conditioning. And I get that. But if, if someone's not named on the injury list with an update for the next three weeks, you're going, what's going on? And then our track record it gets to the four to six weeks and he's out for another four to six weeks because there's some mm. oh, setback that we're not going to tell you much about. So I just feel like it hurts the trust yeah. that the fans have with the club and that divide just seems to be getting more and more because we're the ones that want to know it. Other clubs don't really give a shit, I don't feel. Um, it, it, I feel like it only hurts the fans when we're not disclosing what's happening and it's such an easy fix. Like the AFL, and it goes for other teams. Like I got annoyed when, you know, other teams are saying, oh, you know, Merritt's out for four to six weeks and all of a sudden he's, he's named in the third week or the second week mm. out. And you're going, but you said he's not even available for selection and all of a sudden he's in. Like that shit yeah. annoys me too. And I just feel like the AFL need to clamp down on this just so there's a bit more consistency, a bit more transparency. And then as a Carlton fan, I feel like I've spoken for ages, but no, no. it's not that hard for the club to go, okay, there are how many members, how many we've got, like 80,000 plus all the other supporters. How many people interact with us on Twitter? How many podcasts do we have? How many people do we have writing about this club? Clearly, there are a lot of diehard fans that if you put out anything on that Carton website, we're going to it. We're listening to it. We're reading it. We have that appetite. Yeah. So don't be dumb. Like Tell us every single player that is injured. Let us know what's going on in their rehab. doesn't have to be anything crazy. Hell, if you want to get better fan content, go into the bloody rehab room and just have a quick chat with them. Like maybe the players don't want to do that. I don't know. But as a club point of view, it would be amazing insight to be like, hey, like what's going on with Oscar McDonald? He's had back spasms for how many, a month now? And we've had like no update on what's going on with his back. It seems like It seems like there's something going on that they're not telling us. Because who has back spasms for this long without there being some other issue? Like, just come out and be like, hey, he's been having these back spasms. Um, We're not 100% sure what the cause is at the moment. Um, There's been a couple of different little issues. It's been in a couple of different spots, so we're going to different spots. Like, tell us what's going on. Get in the change rooms. Be like, how are you feeling with your rehab? Like, I don't know, a Cunningham that's maybe out for quite a while or a March Bank. Get in there and just see how he's going. I feel like that personality of seeing what they're doing, just seeing him on a bike going, you know, going for a bit of a run in the in the um, gym or whatever and just seeing how the play is going, seeing a face, it makes you miss them and it's a bit of more content that you can put out. It's just it baffles me that the club don't realise or if they do realise and aren't doing it, they're just negligent about not giving the information to the fans. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's my bit of a rant for this week. Um, do you have much thoughts on, I yeah. guess, 
changing the system of how injuries were reported and how much information Carlton are giving us? Yeah, I think you make you do make some good points there. Um, I think I'd be in the the minority with my take. I think most of our listeners would agree with what you're saying. Um, I think I completely agree with your point about AFL as a whole, and it, yeah. I'm glad you said that about merit mm-hmm. because that was going to be kind of my, the follow up that I did. If if the AFL system did change and it did become more like you know the American sports, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. like I'm I would prefer that. Because, yeah, yes. I want to know every single thing they're doing. I, I, I want to know, yeah, who got up on the wrong side of the bed each morning because I want to know everything there mm. is. Um, so if that was how it changed, I'm all for it and I would advocate yes. for that to happen. Um, I, I would just argue that uh, – and I also agree with what you said about, you know, the opposition teams know things more than the, the fans would and, and they would, you know, maybe they already had an inkling or whatever that mm. you wasn't going to play. But still, for me, even it's around the margins and the little things. Um, and if if it still meant that they fully prepared for Hewitt to be playing, and we and they knew all along that yeah. he wasn't going to, and that just gave us a slight edge, I'm willing to take that little bit of ah, oh, why didn't they tell us? Knowing that they are doing everything they can to win. Yeah. Um, so that's on that point. And the last thing that I just mentioned to wrap up with your point on like Marchie and Cunners, I agree that that is that's not about about you know winning the margins there's no yeah there's no reason why they shouldn't we shouldn't be seeing those guys i would love social media and stuff to be updating us on them more and it is a real shame when like someone like margie and we forget about him and mm. we all love him and we want to see how he's going like get yeah get, get him more involved in the socials mm. and give us those updates to get fans excited and even when he's making little bits of progress like sharing mm. that i don't see that as something that would give you know, an insight to opposition or anything like that. Mm. So I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah. Like I loved seeing the, the, the women when they would, were graduating their rehab and they've got the bloody oh, yeah. robe on, they got the graduation cap. Like that was, yeah, that, was that was amazing. I want to see more kind of stuff like that from the lads. So step up your game boys. Cause you, you're lacking. Um, but it's weird. Cause like, I'm not probably as upset with the, the George Hewitt one. Cause I think if a player is under like an injury cloud, anyway like i get yeah. not maybe reporting it immediately because you may be expecting him like maybe their whole thing was like we are expecting him to play and maybe he doesn't train but they're like we expect him. We, we think he's going to get fully up i agree with that Cause, too because kind of like the kennedy one like a couple of weeks ago it's like oh he's got some soreness but we're just we're managing him and seeing if he can get through because it's like oh well if if you let the other team know that he's sore in that area and like do they go for it like i don't know those kind of little things i'm fine with those little kind of advantages and trying to get a player well enough to play. Like they gave Hewitt every chance by, by naming him. And then worst case, he doesn't get through that captain's run. You take him out. Like, I don't have a necessary problem with that. I think my big issue is when all of a sudden it's like, there's seven guys. Like we saw last year where it's like, Oh, we've done the injury report. And now two days later, this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy are all out and not named before we do the teams. And you're going, you just did the injury report. You would have known that these guys were injured because it's like the day after. It's not an advantage to name the teams. Like those things annoy me. And then also the issue of no transparency on the long-term injuries. Like, again, what is going on with Oscar McDonald? Because you can't tell me he's had back spasms and that's just been it for the past month. So, yeah. Uh, Yeah. It's interesting. I think, yeah, if they're able to just... Make this a, a proper reporting 
like in America, it just takes away any issue for any club, any supporters, and things become a lot easier. I don't know how much you've been following the Ben Simmons thing, but it's been about four months of him being day-to-day. So I, I agree yeah. that there is a lot more reporting and stuff going on over there. But it's still also, not perfect, yeah. They also say, well, he's going to play game four tomorrow and then he's not even in the arena. So, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a whole other kettle of fish. And I don't know how you do it, like whether if – whether there needs to be some sort of independent something or a better culture. Cause I feel like it's, it's a bit better in the NFL. I don't feel like there's as many of those kind of mm-hmm. situations, but yeah, Ben is a whole another kettle <laughs> yeah, of fish. An outlier. Um, <laughs> it's an interesting one, but I do agree. It's never going to be perfect. Um, I guess, is there anything else you wanted to touch on about this Adelaide game that we're building oh. up to or the North game? Any other points or any other fan questions you had before we probably wrap this one up? Is it bad that I'm feeling pretty confident? <laughs> Man, I'm feeling very confident. I think that, like, I was very nervous going to the North game because I needed to see how we backed up from a loss and then mm. what we did against, like, a, a bogey team when we should be beating them. And just to know how well we played and that everything kind of went to plan, uh, I'm definitely confident. I think that yeah, Adelaide yeah. are a team that we can easily beat when we should be beating. And it's now up to us to go out there and do it and prove that we are a better team. And if we want to play finals, we want to be that team that's six and two. This is the team you beat. So why not go out there and do it? Six and two, baby. It's got a good ring. Six to it. and two. So come on. Let's let's be back here next week. Six and two. Finals are absolutely locked. We've belted Adelaide. That's where we want to be. But thank you guys for listening. Let us know your team changes. Tweet at us. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram. If you're watching this on YouTube, drop them in the comments. Review all of that stuff. Subscribe. Um, I'll get through that nice and quickly. I won't be here for 20 minutes. But look, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for watching this week. See you guys next time.